Welcome to the Bourbon Boys. Only one Bourbon Boy here this week, but I do have Chris. Uh, you want to introduce yourself, Chris? Yeah. Uh, my name is Chris Fredrickson. I'm one of the co-founders of Traverse City Whiskey. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. And uh, what I ask people, first question I always ask is, what was the first whiskey you ever had? And now, to be honest, this is the second take, so he's had a little time to think about it now. Yeah, we we, we just ran through this. Uh, so the uh, the dull pauses that existed yeah. in the first run um, won't come up now. But the the first whiskey that I tried was was either, and I, embarrassingly enough, was probably a, a black velvet mm-hmm. back in the college days. Yeah, or a a Jim Beam, and I I. I'm reciting that based on flavor profile, yeah. not on actually holding the bottle and remembering. So it was awful is what you're saying. Yeah. It was uh, both are a more generic flavor profile. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, that was the, the original mm-hmm. taste test. <laughs> what fraternity were you in? I was, uh, so yeah, this, the taste test happened at my fraternity at Michigan State. Uh, as a, I am a Sigma Phi okay. Epsilon. Cool. Yep. I'm SAE. Oh, right from on. UK. Right on. Um, so what was the best, poor, most unique, the one you've enjoyed the most uh, that you've ever had? Oh, you're not going to like the answer to this question. But the, the most unique as it relates to the experience of drinking it was uh, a Nika 12, mm-hmm. uh, Japanese whiskey. And the yep. reason that it was so unique is because when I ordered a pour, I really didn't know what to expect. And I was delighted to find that a Japanese whiskey is very scotch um, in character, but it's, um, it's, it's refined, it's smooth, it's light. But what that showed me was that there's a much bigger world of whiskey outside of the U S and outside of Scotland and Ireland that I am just frankly was pretty unaware of. Mm-hmm. And there, yeah, there's a lot of different styles and techniques, you know, beyond the bourbon and the rye that I yes. typically drink. Uh, there's a lot of people, uh, would agree with you. Not me, obviously. That's what I said the first time. It's if it ain't bourbon or rye. I don't, I've never been able to acquire a taste for scotch for some reason. Most of the stuff I've had has been peated. That probably has something to do with it. it always tastes like you're eating grass. <laughs> you're out golfing and somebody just hits you with a golf ball in the teeth. <laughs> I've heard that before. It's <clears throat> it is tough, but I found that once once you get on the scotch train, it's tough to leave. Yeah. Well, I'll take your word for it. In due time, <laughs> I got enough. I got enough obsessions. My wife won't deal with another one. Right. So next question, we already asked this. Uh, what made you want to open a distillery and why in Michigan? Yeah. Well, first, Michigan, uh, Traverse City specifically, is my hometown. That's where I was born and raised. And the catalyst for, for really diving, diving in headfirst to the distilling industry started in 2011 when my business partners, Jared and Moti, uh, we were all living together. Uh, we were uh, in our own professional careers. They were working as attorneys. I was working as a management consultant. We were all uh, probably averaging 80 hours a week and really looking for an escape from the corporate grind. So back in October 2011, we started toying with this idea about starting something that we were very passionate about, like mm-hmm. yourself. And we we did the research to understand what what it meant to enter not just the distilling industry but the whiskey industry. Mm-hmm. We knew that if we wanted to get a head start and and capitalize properly, 
without having to seek outside investment, we, we had to go the aged route. Mm -hmm. So we, we made contacts at MGP. We also partnered with a distiller outside of Ann Arbor to help bottle. We also uh, worked with the Michigan State University. Um, there's a, there, there is or was a distillery incubator. Mm -hmm. So to help us understand what, what the whole uh, universe of whiskey means. So between those, each group, uh, plus we, we worked with a designer who helped us build a package. We, we finally had built a package, registered it, labeled it. You know, I, I can't even remember what our first drop was, but I think it was maybe we bottled a barrel or two. And we finally had a, a bottle on the shelf in Traverse City, July 7th, 2012. And based on the reaction of the market that year, so between July and the end of December, we realized that we were kind of onto something. Mm -hmm. you know, our timing entering the market was... was That's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty on point. Especially going with MGP, that it wasn't quite as hot as it is now then. Yeah. So it was a little bit easier to get a hold of it. I'm sure, well, maybe a lot easier. You'd know more about that than me, but... Yeah, the demand has changed <laughs> rapidly. Yeah. Yep. So uh, from there, we, we started looking for real estate. You know, we had to open our own shop. We finally found a building in downtown Traverse City that was zoned industrial, mm -hmm. which is a really big thing when you're starting a distillery. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, the old Traverse City Light and Power substation for the uh, downtown area. It built in 1929. Mm -hmm. And we set up shop. Well, we it wasn't for sale, but we, we asked if they were interested in selling. And uh, things just worked out. And by 2014, we had... Um, received our, we had ordered German distilling equipment. It was on site, hooked up. We had our cocktail bar ready. Uh, my business partner and I had to learn how to bartend to mm -hmm. open the, the tasting room, which was really, you know, terribly <laughs> embarrassing for me and the company. And we, uh, over the course of a few, over the course of that year, realized that distilling, bottling, aging barrels on site, and in trying to run a full whiskey operation under a 2,500 square foot roof was definitely not in the cards. So we got back on the real estate train, found a, an, we acquired another property that we're currently sitting in mm -hmm. where we have a lot more barrel storage, uh, room for production, bottling, etc. And <clears throat> it's where we set up shop for the, for the last two and a half, three years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was uh, that was kind of a rough overview of how we started and where we're at today. Nice. So I hear you're uh, expanding now. Yeah. Uh, it was about six or seven months ago now that we, we just acquired another property, which should hopefully house our universe of barrels for the next five, ten years. Um, it's a, the new property is uh, it's a 32,000-square-foot building on 35 acres. So what we're trying to do is build a, a whiskey campus. Mm -hmm. And as part of that, we're, we'll migrate our inventory from our, this current building that we're in to the new facility. We're also in the process of purchasing a 24-inch column, which is, it has robust production capacity. Mm -hmm. And that'll allow us to make uh, roughly 23 barrels per day on one shift. And what are you all using now for production? Yep. So we, back in 2013, we purchased a 400-gallon Cote pot column combo. And so that, that right now allows us to make about a barrel a day, maybe maybe a hair less. And it's 
it um it's just not enough for where we're at. Mm-hmm. So we're um, we're going to really focus on uh, maximizing the breadth of our production in the new building. As part of that, we have a, we'll have the distillery. Uh, we're also building a visitor center. Uh, right now, this this section of land is out in call it wine country. So the visitor center, sitting next to the production facility, overlooks uh, another vineyard, and it's kind of off in its its own mm-hmm. its own you know area where you know nobody nobody will be bothered or I guess bother us. Yeah. Right? So uh, is the still house downtown going to close then, or are you going to keep that open too? No, it's you know the still house is a staple. Yeah, it's it's what everybody knows us by at this point. But um, having this area off site will you know one allow us to to increase production, but also allow us to share a more um, I guess robust um, version of what whiskey means and is, and and not just look at here's our equipment, here's our barrels, but also step through the education of here are the grain silos. Here's yeah. a, here's a mill. Here's you know mashing, fermentation, all the way through distillation into a barrel. Well, logistically, it's got to help a lot too. Not having to move stuff from one building to another. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that's that's one thing that we're most excited about. Yeah, I can only that, imagine. Yeah, the transition between our current facility and the downtown facility just to distill is a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, what products do you all produce right now? Yeah. So. We have our, our, our two Hallmark products, our, our straight bourbon, which is it's a three- to four-year-old bourbon. And we, we also sell a cherry whiskey, which is very near and dear to our community, as Traverse City is the cherry capital of the world. <laughs> so my, my old man, my father, is a third-generation cherry farmer out here in the county, probably 10 miles from where we're sitting. Uh, my my great-grandfather... Uh, was one of the first sweet cherry farmers in northern Michigan back in back in the 50s. And since then, my family's been farming um, every, you know, pretty much nonstop. We recently got away from sweets and migrated to sours. Mm-hmm. So we use uh, batched versions of our sour cherries. Uh, we macerate them in the bourbon to make the cherry whiskey. Hmm. We also make a rye whiskey, mm-hmm. which is a bit unique. It's 100% rye, very difficult. Uh, spirit to distill Mm -hmm. to ferment and then distill and then we make a a port finished bourbon we have a barrel proof expression of our bourbon and our rye Mm -hmm. and then we also make an apple whiskey okay using local apples and is all that mgp still or are you using partly your whiskey as well no we're in the transition process right now so some of it is uh just kind of as a blending agent per batch but we're we're actively working away from our reliance on the the mgp source And a lot of questions about MGP as far as why did you start with them. I mean, a lot of people go either source or they contract distill, which is a method of sourcing as well, sort of. But you all decided to go. You said a little bit earlier you wanted to go the aged whiskey route just so you didn't have to do the vodkas and the things you could put out right then. Is that really the main reason why you all decided to go MGP? Well, there's a few factors. One, first and foremost, um, you know, there, there are two reasons that people buy a product, any product. One, because of quality packaging. But with that quality packaging, you may convert a sale. But in order to get a second purchase, it needs to be a quality product. Mm-hmm. MGP, um, for now, it, what feels like forever in the whiskey world, has 
has crafted a, a high quality product that met our standards and we loved it. Um, you asked me in our former try with the podcast um, about what whiskey or maybe I just told you what whiskey we were drinking when we for, when we built this idea mm-hmm. of Traverse City Whiskey. And the answer to that question was Redemption Rye. Mm-hmm. And we all loved Redemption Rye, even the Redemption Bourbon. And those are both core, you know, MGP yeah. products. And and so that kind of drove drove us toward MGP. They, they've been a fantastic supply partner uh, dating all the way back to 2011. And, you know, through that partnership, it's allowed us to, one create a quality product mm-hmm. but it's also given us kind of a vision for what we want to create in-house on a more uh, macro scale and follow suit with um of course uh you know maybe, maybe a similar mash bill maybe a variety of mash bills mm-hmm. who knows but it it's allowed us to um expand our footprint from you know not just michigan but throughout half the country mm-hmm. and several other countries so when you started it, did you just did you think it was going to get as big as it is now? Our vision for what Traverse City Whiskey would become, yeah, was significantly different than what it is today. <laughs> yeah, we we were we were we were looking for a hobby, yeah, at first, and then realized that that <clears throat> that Traverse City Whiskey could be a gateway away from the corporate grind. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, the that the, the vision for the future has changed significantly and, and now we're now we look at every decision not just as a two, three, four year decision, but um but as a, a ten to twenty year play. Yeah. So moving forward, is there um what are your all's mash bills you're going with now? Um since you're you said you're gonna say similar to MGP? Yeah, so we're we're working through what that means for the future. But right now, our existing mash bill is seventy one percent corn, twenty five percent rye, and four percent malted barley. Mm-hmm. Really nice blend of sweet, um, you know, sweet from the corn, and then a good mix of spice with the rye and the barley. Okay, and yep. Nate, you're gonna stick with the hundred percent rye for the rye whiskey? I think so. You know, we we wanted to craft something that stands out in the market and is unique. And so 100% rye is is really what we've been focused on for the last, now it's four or five years. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And you all use full-size barrels. We do. 100% of what we do is in a 53-gallon virgin oak, white oak barrel, uh, predominantly from either Canton Cooperage, uh, Kelvin, or Independent Stave. Mm-hmm. Char three? Uh, three? Well, four. Yeah, three or four. Okay. Yep. Are there any products that you all have uh, offshoot of your your main whiskey and bourbon products that you really take pride in? Uh, absolutely. Um, so one thing that Traverse City is is well known for, outside of just cherries, is another agricultural product, which is apples. Mm-hmm. And we we make some of the best cherries in the world, and also some of the best apples mm-hmm. in the world. Uh, hence the apple whiskey. You know, a lot of purists would look at the apple whiskey as kind of a, a debauchery of sorts, yeah. but for us, it's, it's a mainstay for uh, our community, right? Um, but an offshoot of that, we actually started, it was a pet project that we started two and a half years ago, and that was, uh, we made an apple brandy. Mm-hmm. So we, we found three varieties of apples that we really liked, fresh pressed them, fermented them, and then distilled them, and then we've been aging them in our used bourbon barrels for the last two and a half years. Uh, right now and it's it's fantastic so side note even though this is a bourbon podcast 
when a uh, brandy hits the three-year marker, you can officially call it an aged brandy. Hmm. So we're kind of waiting to, to cross that threshold for the release. Nice. Um, in the last year, we've also had uh, a lot of success with our cocktail cherries, mm -hmm. our premium cocktail cherries. And those are um, made here in northern Michigan. We, uh, our, our neighbor, probably three or four doors down, makes them for us, and then we jar them or can them in-house. And we started selling them locally at, at the Stillhouse. We then moved on to the state of Michigan, and then we we saw an, a huge uptick in demand when we released them on Amazon mm -hmm. last year. And in November, we were for a long time we were Amazon's choice for cocktail cherries uh, throughout the country. So that's uh, been a huge uh, outlet and resource, not just for the cocktail cherries, but also to to spread spread the word about Traverse City whiskey. Mm -hmm. You know, it allows non non-alcohol based businesses to buy a product of ours, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. Nice. Yeah. And speaking of uh, where you're distributed with these cherries, where is the whiskey distributed now? I think you said 28 States, About 28 States. Yeah. Predominantly here in the Midwest, but we have a, a solid presence out in the California area, California, Nevada, Arizona, mm -hmm. and also just around the coast down to Texas, Florida, um, New York, Connecticut, uh, Massachusetts, um, it, and then, and then Michigan, Indiana, Illinois. Uh, we're working on Ohio. Okay, that's, that's a tough one to stick. Yeah. But and then the, a few other spots just around the country. Cool. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I asked early why why here why Traverse City. Yeah. Uh, coming in here, it's a lot of <laughs> snow, but you could tell it's a very beautiful area. Is there something you want to tell us? Uh, uh, Give us a little rundown of the area, things that are really cool about, you already said the cherries and the apples, but people that are going to come visit you all, what can they look forward to in the area? Yeah. So about a decade ago, Traverse City put its, Traverse City as a city put its name on the map as kind of becoming the booze mecca of the Midwest. <laughs> but that movement didn't start with distilleries. It started with wineries and breweries. So we have a huge craft beer and wine scene, mm -hmm. which has attract, attracted a lot of visitors. But with that, everybody's kind of discovered that Traverse City, regardless of the season, um, can the, the visitors can become very active and stay active while they're in town, whether that be on the lake, boating, water skiing during the summer, hiking, um, or in the winter, skiing, snowmobiling. I mean, you guys, you came into a blizzard, yeah. the blizzard of blizzards, and and what that means for us now, I mean, it's kind of a kind of a pain to for to visit on your end, but now we can open the door to snowmobiling and downhill skiing, and it's you know the economy takes off when that happens. So I think that's what a lot of people look to in terms of uh, vacation destination. Um, you can come up, you can do a wine tasting, and then go out skiing, or you can come up and and just you know go skiing, snowshoeing, cross country skiing. Yeah, there's an endless amount of activities available locally. Uh, back in 2000, it was probably in the last, it was in the last decade, Good Morning America announced that Traverse City, announced Traverse City is one of the most beautiful places in the world, mm -hmm. which happened to be down, right down the road at the Sleeping Bear Sand Dunes. And after that happened, um, it just, everything kind of boomed. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, I actually asked uh, Arthur this yesterday, is, you, is there a way you could tell, I asked Driftless this as well, being in a colder climate, 
the aging process on the whiskey, can you tell a big difference as far as the, how fast it ages? Because I would say my personal opinion, I'll tell you before we start, yeah, is that it has to make it a little bit slower, which is good and bad because in the hotter climates, the barrel can change from day to day. Yep. Well, up here, if age is a little bit slower, if you don't catch it on the day where it's at its peak, yep. quote unquote, maybe you can catch it two or three days later because the cold is going to keep it from getting really changed. Sure. A lot. So my answer to that question is actually on the opposite end of the spectrum. Okay. Uh, the one thing that we have found is that by taking advantage of Northern Michigan's defined four seasons, mm-hmm. you know, there's a I mean, when you arrived yesterday, it was, it was what, zero degrees? Something like that. But so that, that'll shift, especially with the, the barrels at the top of our rickhouse. That'll shift from zero degrees now to 85, 95 during the summer. Mm-hmm. So because we have the four seasons, there's a constant fluctuation of temperature. And as you know, the more interaction that that whiskey has via expansion and contraction with the wood, mm-hmm. the more character uh, it evolves in the barrel. And so th- the only change that we've noticed is is an evolution mm-hmm. of of flavor and character. You know, the the, the barrel that we tasted and um, bottled today mm-hmm. has changed significantly in the last year or two mm-hmm. to the point where it, it kind of, you know, barrels go through their own phases over a lifetime. And we attribute the, the higher quality now to our northern environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, we think it definitely helps. I think that there, there's no question that the whiskey aging here with exposure to the Four Seasons is, yeah. uh, is a very good thing. Now, I had Driftless Glen, which is uh, in Wisconsin, and I think they do a very good product for four or five-year-old whiskey, so I don't think there's any negatives to it. I just would think that with less heat would be less interaction with the wood overall over an entire season. You'd have a season, like you said, four months, three months, where you just get – a lot of interaction and then the rest of it will be sort of slowed down yeah that's just my opinion though because i've never been in a rick house for a full year yeah yep no it's um you know there's there's different schools of thought yeah and like that that whole i guess methodology for barrel aging is constantly evolving mm-hmm. you know the, the the culture down in kentucky is very uh pro heat mm-hmm. which is this pretty much the standard mm-hmm. that everybody knows and and thinks thinks with but uh we're we're challenging that okay yeah which is why our our rick house is uh relatively uninsulated yeah you saw the frost on the walls i did <laughs> and condensation and yep. everything yep so you all haven't done a ton of barrel picks i don't think that i've noticed on them at least not on the market no um at the consumer level barrel picks are a very new thing for us mm. yeah we've we, we brought in only a small handful of groups and Try to be selective with the right groups, but it's mm-hmm. um it's a pretty fun experience for us, and sounds like you guys had an okay time. Yeah, <laughs> well, you can never go wrong with tasting the whiskey. Yeah, amen. Uh, so, what do you all have? How many have you done so far? Ten? Yeah, less than ten. Less than probably 10. probably six or seven. Nice uh, core groups within the past two years. In the past year. Yeah. Oh, you just started doing it within the past year. Yep. Well, we've been we've been more focused on on bars and restaurants and you know off premise accounts like Binnie's, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but you know, now we're evolving the program and opening it up to, to different groups, um, of aficionados. Okay. Yeah. So if anybody wanted to do a barrel pick, how would the best way to go about it? 
obviously emailing you is not that great because I tried that myself. But <laughs> <laughs> no, the uh, honestly, it's it ends up being a word of mouth thing. Yeah. So it's it really helps. I mean, now that you and I have sat down, um, you know, you you have exposure to to different the different types of groups, mm-hmm. and so we're really using uh, uh, drinkers like you as a first line of defense. To I like that you thought about what word you wanted to use <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a first line of defense. Okay. Cause it's uh, you know, at the end of the day, we, we don't have an unlimited supply. supply of, of super aged inventory. And we want to make sure that it's, it's allocated and dispersed, you know, thoughtfully. So when you, uh, what, what do you want people to experience when they come in for a barrel selection? Yeah. Well, First and foremost, you know, the, the Traverse City Whiskey experience, which gets a little bit more difficult during the winter months. But, you know, during the, the fall, summer, or spring, we always like to add a little northern Michigan flair to the experience, which usually includes um, some skeet shooting mm-hmm. out at our – we have a small gun range behind the, the building here. But also maybe, a, you know, a, a local tour just to kind of break down what this area is and what it means to us. Mm-hmm. And that, when it's not uh, a death blizzard outside, is something that we love sharing. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Uh, so, in closing, is there anything? Would you, can you tell us the address? That'd probably be a good thing. Yeah. The you know our, our main address is uh, is two zero one East Fourteenth Street, and that's downtown Traverse City. That's the address to our still house. Mm-hmm. And out here at the production facility, we uh, we tend to hide. Yeah, of course. And. At the still house, what can you expect if you come in there? What do you? You can expect a, a warm introduction. You can expect a uh, the still running if, if you're there before five p.m. Uh, any weekday, and you can expect an education. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, pretty. I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast doesn't need an education, <laughs> but we like to make sure that any any customer that comes through and may have an opinion that uh, bourbon has to be made in Kentucky, we make sure that our staff is equipped to to help reframe how they consider what a bourbon is. Well, I wouldn't make any assumptions that nobody listening to this doesn't need an education because <laughs> that might be why they're listening to this. <laughs> That's fair. That's very uh, fair. What, what kind of tastes, uh, what kind of whiskeys are you all pouring at the, at the uh, still house? Yep. So we have, we have our whole lineup, um, the, the bourbon cherry port finish, the rye, the barrel proof expressions. We do have our distiller select that our, our distiller, um, ran through the warehouse and found what he considered to be the most flavorful 10 year old barrel. Mm-hmm. And that's also, that's available for sample or purchase. Uh, we sell bottles, swag. We got you outfitted. Yeah. And we also sell cocktails. Okay. So you can, you can try any of the whiskeys in a, uh, in a crafted cocktail. Awesome. So in closing, is there anything you'd like to say? Just a final statement about, uh, your all's situation up here. Yeah, no, it's um, Traverse City Whiskey. You know, we've 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 crowned ourselves the Whiskey of the North, and we would love to to share that with whoever's willing to come up and check us out. Uh, we always encourage sending an email ahead of time. You know, any anybody who comes up in a group, we love to cater to a larger audience. Um, anybody in the industry, we 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 comp the tours mm-hmm. and you know any experience here at the production facility, and. You know we're we're very hospitality forward. So um, anybody that is interested in, in checking us out, come to Traverse City. And if you're looking to try some great uh, fruit or a cocktail garnish, jump on Amazon, purchase a, a jar of the cocktail cherries, and uh, keep sipping and keep evolving that 
that palette. All right, awesome. Thanks for coming on, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me. And until next time, enjoy your pours.